This podcast is free and it's accessible to everyone thanks to support from listeners like you. If you value this show, please consider supporting its production by donating to our home, KUOW. It only takes a minute to give and you'll be helping to support the production of this podcast. Make a donation at KUOW.org or follow the link in the show notes. And thanks. You are Lindy West, a writer of books, opinion, and television who lives in Seattle. And I've been in platonic true love with you since Y2K. And you're Megan Hatcher Mays, a lawyer and policy advocate who lives in D.C. And you're my beautiful little baby. Text me back. Text me back. Text me back. Text me back at once. This is Text Me Back with Lindy and Megan, a comedy and opinion podcast from KOW about best friendship, the best animals, and the worst people. I'm Lindy West. And I'm Megan hatcher And this is the first episode of Text Me Back, so-called because our friendship, sadly, is very long distance at the moment. I'm in D.C. and Lindy is in Seattle. And so we are forced to feverishly text each other truly the worst news that we can find. (laughs) You know, this podcast is a representation of what we're doing in our everyday life, which is processing the downfall of Earth in real time (laughs) from coast to coast. And that includes Megan's interests, which have dignity and import, (laughs) such as governance, and my interests, which are otter attacks and which snake is the best. And together, they form a perfect union, even more perfect than American democracy. It's pretty easy to beat American democracy on quality. (laughs) And I'm here to tell you, this podcast is going to do it. It's not even going to be that hard. So (laughs) get excited. (laughs) Because we've been friends for so long. So long. A a disgustingly long time. We met in Seattle, Washington at Garfield High School. Yes, we were registering for classes in the gym. This was our second semester senior year of high school, and we had never really met or talked, which is weird, because we had mutual friends. Actually, one of our mutual friends, Leah, introduced us, and she's like, oh, yeah, hey, guys, you guys should meet. You guys should know each other. And I just remember... She's like a cute little angel. Yeah, just the sweetest, tiniest angel you ever saw in your life. A little, tiny, baby troll doll. (laughs) (laughs) We rubbed her little belly and became best friends. (laughs) So she introduced us. And then I just remember you made a reference to a Conan O'Brien sketch, said something about masturbating bear, something like that. And I was like, hello, where have you been? This is my best friend. Nobody knows what I'm talking about when I talk about masturbating bear. So it was like very satisfying. I will say that the spirit of the story is true. However, there's no way I said the word masturbating in high school. (laughs) Not a chance. Lindy at the time was a shrunken sunflower. (laughs) <laughs> who had, had like yet to turn her face to the sun. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> she, <laughs> our body uh, language was very inside facing. Very down. concave. Yeah. <laughs> very concave. That was why I was in my concave era. Yeah. You were concave. That was real. It was really pretty instantaneous. I was like, I hope you don't have plans to spend time with literally anyone else for the next six months because we're best friends and we really became best friends immediately the best friendship was um instantaneous it was electric it never stopped (laughs) it could not be stopped it alienated everyone else that we loved Um, (laughs) but we couldn't stop it it was a juggernaut and then we ended up in a class together we ended up taking a shakespeare class believe it or not that was offered at the time which just seems weird because now you're not allowed to read books in high school wait when you say that you mean that 
because all white men's work is banned by the woke mind virus. <laughs> That's right. Before Garfield had been infected by the woke mind virus, they forced everyone to read, <laughs> um, I don't know, Zora Neale Hurston or something. We were reading Twelfth Night and Merchant of Venice. Um, Merchant of Venice, for sure. For sure. We signed up for that class together. We sat at the same table and it was truly game over for everyone in our immediate surroundings. Yeah, it was game over for our table mates, yeah. game over for Miss Shoe, game over for Shakespeare himself, the bard himself. The bard dead. was donezo. Anyway, so there we were learning about Shakespeare and just picking out the lines that we thought made the least sense and were the funniest with like whatever what's it, echolalia that we had at the time, just saying it over and over again to the point where I think <sighs> our friends had to have an intervention. I was not much of a student. Lindy was smart and went to a good college. I applied for two colleges and got into one, so I just went to that one. Anyway, I was down a couple credits, so I really needed to pass Shakespeare class in order to graduate high school and finally leave. And so I think I did an all-nighter to write the final paper on Twelfth Night. I just copy-pasted my favorite Malvolio quotes. <laughs> for like six pages. <laughs> Why I Wear Not Motley on My Brain by Megan Hatcher Mays. Why My Brain is Clear as Crystal by Malvolio <laughs> Hatcher Mays. And then I just forgot to turn it in. I smoked a metric ton of marijuana and just didn't turn in the final assignment. And so Lindy and I were signing your books at Volunteer Park, KIT, Lilas, Have a Great Summer, all of that. And I remembered that I hadn't turned in my paper and I turned to her and I was like, Wendy, we have got to go back to high school. You drove us back and I had to go in the office. <laughs> I had to go to the office with my hand vibrating with my Malvolio final. And I was like, I need to turn this in so I can graduate from high school. And the woman in the office, whatever vice principal it was, was like, sorry, sorry. You missed your chance. You can't turn it in. I was like, if I don't turn this in, I will not be able to pass the class and graduate from high school. And she's like, sorry, too bad. sucks to be you and I was like are you serious and I started to just completely lose my mind at this woman I was gonna say this poor woman she was keeping me from graduating from high school so forget that yeah it's a power trip yeah it was a total power trip and I was like I don't care what you say I'm going back there and I'm trying to get the paper (laughs) she was like oh my god she finally let me go back there and turn it in and I just remember you were like I was quivering in the corner (laughs) you can't talk to a grown-up like that you're acting real convex right now megan (laughs) bring it in please (laughs) i would say that became like a hallmark sort of a foundational dynamic of our friendship (laughs) megan's a little bit scary and she yells at adults and i am quivering but i love it you know you are one of the mice from secrets of nim (laughs) (laughs) and you're one of the rats exactly You're Nicodemus, and I'm Mrs. Jonathan Brisby, who has no name of her own. I have been waiting my whole life to be compared to Nicodemus. Thank you. (laughs) It's because of all your warts. That's the main similarity. And you're wise. No, but I said it like a joke that I was quivering but impressed. But truly, I do feel like this dynamic has been important in our friendship where I learned a lot about being brave and being strong because naturally (laughs) I am very frightened. And I still to this day don't, I don't talk back to adults and I'm 42 years old. It's too bad because yelling at adults is one of the few joys in this life, you know? (laughs) 
I was and continue to be moderately terrifying. But I think what I learned from you is that you actually don't need to yell at adults all the time. (laughs) You could reserve it for the times that they really deserve it. You know, one of my favorite scary Megan moments that I just (laughs) truly at the time, I had never seen anything like it in my life. We were at University Village, which is a mall for fancy people in Seattle, Washington. And (laughs) Megan got some sort of a soda or a juice and was done with it. And then you littered, (laughs) which already we are in another gallery. I have (laughs) never in my life seen someone litter. I have never seen littering. Live. Lindy, I've never Lindy is it. already vibrating in terror <laughs> at just the concept you, of littering. You threw it on the ground <laughs> in the parking lot. And then it truly, especially in Seattle, maybe this happens in other cities. It doesn't happen it does in not. Seattle. It does not happen in Seattle, and Washington. <laughs> I'm sure that's a part of why you did it. I feel like you were being countercultural in some way. <laughs> and there was a classic Seattle man wearing hiking boots and he was parked next to you we were sitting in the car about to leave and he walked up and he picked up the cup dramatically and he plonked it on the hood of your car and he said you dropped this (laughs) and then i was like oh my god oh my god i can't to not just have witnessed the littering but now to witness a consequence have someone be mad at me by proxy (laughs) a confrontation oh my god and then you rolled down the window and I think you said something like no I didn't or what I don't know and then you reached out the window over to the hood of the car and you swatted the cup and it hit the man and I can't remember if it exploded with liquid all over him or not but in my memory I feel like maybe it did at least ice and then you peeled out of the parking lot I I feel like what people need to understand is this man lifted it so slow so slow doesn't really dramatically very slowly all while making very crunchy like kayak dad eye contact with me as he did it and as he was lifting the cup so too was my rage level i was like no unbelievable and then he put it on my car and tried to make a big show of it as if like sir i am a sociopath who litters you think this is going to chase him me at all this is just going to be humiliating for you so yeah I and it, it was and it was so i knocked it down and it's like if you have a problem with my littering dude you throw it away <laughs> i'm 17 yeah. and i have hot sandwiches to eat i don't have time for this and we peeled out and you were like what are you doing <laughs> i was like he deserved it <laughs> i feel like you've said before in the past that i was too scared to stop being your friend and that's <laughs> Maybe true a tiny bit, except it's actually when I think about it, it's not true. Because (laughs) what I actually remember feeling was exhilarated by our friendship. This is the most exciting thing that's ever happened to me. I am on a roller coaster. I can't wait to see what's going to happen next. And we have fought like 50 men since then together you know well (laughs) i mean a little bit it's always the same i never do anything or make one peep i feel like 
okay, Lindy and I are hanging out. We're going to have a nice, normal time. I'm going to be empathetic and thoughtful, just like my beautiful friend taught me to be. And then some adult, and I mean, by the way, I know I'm 41, so it's not like I'm not also an adult, but it's like, you know, like real adults. No, I know. Like I still our, think people are like parents, that. People are parents' age. You know, That's like, what happens when they don't allow us to get mortgages. We get to stay the kids. I get Sorry. to keep yelling at you at various locations. You trigger something in adult men. <laughs> is not nice and i don't know what it is they see you and they lose their minds when they yeah it's like you have a pheromone that drives them mad because it really does it happens it happens a lot this summer you came to visit me and i had never been to george washington's stunning manor mount vernon yeah thank you it could be the other one camp david (laughs) i know we just went there so we went to Mount Vernon, which I had never been to, despite living in D.C. for almost 10 years now. We took a boat down the Potomac to Mount Vernon, and the whole place is just covered in paintings of George Washington. And I'm like, man, this guy was a real freak. He had ceiling to floor paintings of himself, Truly. his horse, him in the farm, Martha yeah. and the horse. It was like a whole thing. <laughs> I can corroborate. So, yeah. So I go up to the docent, and I was like... Is this really what his living room looked like at the time when he was alive? Did he really have this many paintings of himself in his living room? And this man, you would have thought I insulted his mother. He whips around and he's like, don't you have pictures of yourself in your house? (laughs) And I was like, oh my God, Stephen, why are you so upset? Literally his job to stand in that room and answer questions about George Washington. And the hostility was so overpowering that other people in the room were like, are you okay? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, actually, I think someone did ask if you were okay because it was so weird. The women in front of us turned around and they were like, what was that? And I was like, girl... I don't know. <laughs> Story of my life. I don't know what that was. So I do my That's best. what happens when, <laughs> to be an when a 90-year-old white man gets a whiff of me. <laughs> Just is what it is. Ask that kayak father in the QFC parking lot. He didn't like it either. It's probably the same guy 23 years later. <laughs> he recognized me. <laughs> He's like, I'm going to move to D.C. to get away from <laughs> Seattle, <laughs> where my nemesis lives. I'm going to retreat to the comfort of Mount Vernon. Oh, no. <laughs> no. It's her. No. <laughs> Anyway, Um, yeah, but it's been a wonderful and beautiful 23 years. And now other people get to be a part of our chaotic best friendship. Thank God. They've been clamoring. Text me back (laughs) this beautiful new podcast that you are currently listening to. Hey, don't go anywhere. We're going to reveal a long held open secret among DC insiders like me. Wait, do you find out? It's just tweets. At Soundside, we bring you news and conversation rooted in the Pacific Northwest. Hi, I'm Libby Denkman. I think of my job hosting Soundside as number one, asking tough questions of powerful people, the questions you KUOW listeners want answered. And two, bringing you a daily slice of the fascinating, confounding, and often goofy side of life in Washington State. Join me for Soundside at noon and 8 p.m. on KUOW or anytime on the Soundside podcast. Megan, I have a pet peeve. Yes, please tell me. I have a grouse in my pants. 
Oh, dear. <laughs> Is that not an expression? How come there's no history on the History Channel? Oh. Sometimes I'm flipping through the cable and I see the History Channel on my yeah. guide. And mm-hmm. I think, ooh, this is relevant to what I'm into, which is what's the oldest fork? Yes. Who lived in my house earlier? <laughs> yes. Uh, what was the first guy that cultivated the bean? I hunger to know everything that's ever happened. So when I see the History Channel, I get excited. I think, surely this is going to be a docu-series about Napoleon's horse. Yeah. Um, what were his likes and dislikes? Favorite foods? Best friend? Maybe throw in a couple of other horses Ooh. from history. Can we get a list of history's bravest horses, the most strong and true? But I'm consistently disappointed by the History Channel. Yeah. I, I tune in and all I see are aliens and pawn shops and whatever. What not? Aliens in pawn shops, yes. You know, fantasy and modernity, neither of which is what I crave. (laughs) I know. You know, there's like two main things that we talk about. One is (laughs) your love of horses of history. Sure. That's number one. Number two is that you have oft claimed that there would be no situation in which you would find common ground with a Republican. So it was like the two never we discuss. Oh, never. Now I have, <laughs> have I got some news for what? you, kiddo. I don't know if you're aware of this, but you have stumbled upon some common ground with one of the worst Republicans in the United States. Senate. Who, me? His name. Yes. His name is Charles Grassley. <laughs> it's a delightful 90 Oof. years old, still insisting upon going to work. Although I would say that his real job is tweeting, <laughs> tweeting about what you may ask. <laughs> Tweeting about how the History Channel (gasps) doesn't show enough history. I have gone through and curated a select list of Chuck Grassley's most chaotic History Channel tweets. (laughs) (laughs) Tweet number one. Check it out. Friend just told me real history on part-time History Channel. I'm in car. Something about Washington. (laughs) Okay. Do you think it was an explanation of why Washington had so many portraits of himself in his house? Lindy, number one rule of history, you do not ask questions about George Washington's paintings. Okay. Show some decorum. My bad. Tweet number two. Hurry! There's actual history on History Channel. U.S. colonial history. Next is ancient aliens. Boo. (laughs) I agree, Chuck! Tweet number three. I would say this might be my favorite. Surprise, surprise! No history on History Channel. Today is birthday of Constitution. So why doesn't Channel have it on tonight? (laughs) If you need ideas for programming, let me know. One, Constitution. Two, Iowa history. Three, U.S. history. Four, real history, etc., etc., etc. Most members of Congress, like the overwhelming majority of members of Congress, outsource their social media presence to members of their staff, you know, communications professionals. You know, you take one look at Chuck's Twitter account and you know this man is putting in the work himself. <laughs> not, a, not a single staffer has a password to this account. I mean, the thing about this is like, if it was just like a very pleasant 90 year old man, you'd be like, oh, that's so nice. This older gentleman got a Twitter and he hates the History Channel. What a laugh. Chuck Grassley has a job of great significance, unfortunately, <laughs> you know, and that job is to legislate on behalf of millions of Americans. Well, um, there's only protect our rights. 
I don't know. How many people are there in Iowa? 14 or 15? Yeah. I think, I don't know. Not millions. The History Channel has not done an <laughs> Iowa history segment, so I'll never know. I have to say that ever since you read the words Iowa history, I have just been sitting here. My, my brain just, has been fixated on so, Iowa history. Soybeans all the way down. Is I it? Think. I think so. Yeah. So, you know, this sucks, right? Yeah. He supports really bad policies. He's specifically responsible for guiding Brett Kavanaugh through the Senate to have him be confirmed to the Supreme Court. And, you know, he has his cutesy tweets, which are, I'm sorry, they are objectively very funny. But you know what you could be doing? You could retire, bro. Mm. You could retire. You could spend 100% of your time Mm. just in your basement popping off the tweets. You don't need to be a part of American life in a public way that affects millions of people on a day-to-day basis. This got me thinking, Chuck Grassley at age 90 is older than my dad. And my dad retired in the 90s. That's correct. I would have loved to retire in the 90s when I was (laughs) 13. And yet I'm so tired already and I'm only 41, you know? The second Megan and I get our first Social Security checks, we are are Andy Dufresne and Morgan Freeman's character on the beach and we're scraping the barnacles off the boat. That's correct. You won't find me behind a desk. You won't find me in an office building. I will be gone. I will be. I'm. I will be gone. I'm eating young coconut meat, and I sleep <laughs> in a hammock, sending cryptic postcards. Yep. I think a lot of people would love to retire at like a 65 or whatever the age is for Social Security, and they can't. Like there are people who right have to work um, forever, not because they want to, but because they have to. And yet you have these members of Congress who are like well into their 90s, well past the time that you should be responsible for people's well-being in this way. Because that's the thing about these jobs. These are not like normal jobs where it might be ages to say like, oh, that person needs to leave because they're old. Like these are jobs where you really can't be selfish. You really can't just stick around because you feel like it. Right. Your job is being responsible for millions of other people. So you do have to take into account your age and your ability to do your job. And of course they never do. And then you get stuck with some pretty significant consequences when age does what age does. But we're not even. It's not even about age. It's about competence more accurately. It's not like we're saying you, Nicodemus, you're covered in warts. Um, (laughs) You need to relinquish the rat throne because you're old. We're saying if your competence is compromised, surely it's implied (laughs) that if I am no longer able to do this job, I got to go. Well, I mean, that's the thing. Nobody who runs for Congress is well-adjusted in the mind. You know what I mean? They're all megalomaniacs, at least a little. You have to be just a soupçon of megalomaniac to run for office. And I think once you have access to that kind of power, people don't want to leave. And also, I think the overwhelming majority of members of Congress are already independently wealthy before they even run. So it's not like they're doing this for the money. They're doing it because they want to be powerful. And it's not like you hit 67 and you think, all right, I'm all done being powerful. (laughs) They just want to keep doing this forever. (laughs) Speaking of ageism, the elderly hate the young and think that we're stupid. (laughs) Not that I feel young, but like, you know what I mean? I hate the young. Relatively speaking, we are very young. I'm always like... Compared to the United States Senate. I'm sorry. The children are wearing baggy jeans with a kitten heel mule Disgusting. i know i would want to hide in my office in the senate too if that if i realized <laughs> true that and on. i would not want to relinquish power to these kitten heel no, people no absolutely not it's just i think there's a lot of hubris involved there's like this allure of power that's involved people don't want to leave but the thing is there's been some 
pretty high profile examples of, well, one, it's been kind of difficult to watch like older members of Congress. Oh, hey, pew, 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 pew. Yeah, we got to hit the bummer button. <laughs> I'm going to go on a little quick depression detour. We'll get back to jokes in 90 seconds. Okay. Bing bong. There just have been these high profile examples of members of Congress maybe not knowing where they are, not knowing what they are voting for or how they should be voting. Mitch McConnell very famously has spaced out a couple of times while giving remarks. That's not easy for people to watch. And I'm just here to say there are other people who can be United States senators. You could throw a rock in D.C. and find a 35-year-old evil conservative lawyer who could pretty easily replace Mitch McConnell. So there's no reason why he needs to be doing it. Hey, and they might do Um, even a better job, such as in the movie Dave. If you find a guy that just looks a lot like exactly. Mitch McConnell and then you Dave just him, <laughs> just Dave Mitch McConnell, and then he exactly. comes in with his folksy street smarts and fixes the entire government. Why has no one thought to do that IRL? It's so strange. I don't know. But the most consequential version of this is probably Ruth Bader Ginsburg. So just to say it, it's not like Republicans have a monopoly on not retiring when they should. I know this is difficult because Ruth Bader Ginsburg is a beloved figure of the left. I myself have an autographed photo of her in my home. So please know I'm saying this from a place of deep love and disappointment. I don't know if there's a a word for that. But she should have retired in 2014 when Obama was still the president and Democrats had control of the Senate, and she didn't do that. And as a result, abortion rights have been decimated. And there's a pretty direct line between her overstaying her time on the court, her passing away unexpectedly, while, by the way, this happened in the middle of a presidential election. People were already voting early for the president when she died and when her replacement was ultimately chosen. (laughs) Um, And as a result, your right to have an abortion is totally dependent on where you live in this country, at least for now, because it could and probably will get a lot worse. So it's weird. On the one hand, you've got these megalomaniacs who are obsessed with power, who are very obsessed with their legacy. Otherwise, they would never want these jobs in the first place. And yet they leave. And their legacy that they leave behind is one of bad. (laughs) Very bad. Like you did bad because you didn't know when to fold them. Now we're all in trouble. That's why I think this issue really supersedes common concerns about ageism in the workplace. This is not a normal job. Fundamental rights are at stake. And surely no one was more aware of that than RBG. Of course, she could see down the line that this decision could cause irreversible chaos and calamity. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it's just baffling to me. And it it feels like the left is really into having a little folk hero to put on their socks. And then the right is being very strategic and ruthlessly plotting. (laughs) Yeah. Mitch McConnell's been known to call up federal judges and say, you need to go because I want to be able to replace you while we have the chance. And I don't know that the left really does that. I think it's too bad. That's how we got our jobs. That's how we got Kavanaugh, right? That is how we got Kavanaugh. I mean, like McConnell and the whole right wing, dark money, judicial groups basically started saying, hey, Anthony, can you F off because we really (laughs) want to be able to replace you with somebody who's like 50 and they negotiated his exit pretty much. He didn't want to retire at first because he was nervous that Donald Trump would pick somebody crazy. (laughs) And then they were like, well, you can weigh in on who you want to replace. And he said, I want Brett Kavanaugh. He used to clerk for Kennedy back in the 90s. 
That's how seriously they take these jobs. They don't think of these jobs, when it comes to the Supreme Court anyway, they don't think of justices as people I like and support. They think about them as positions we need to fill to do our bidding. And I'm, again, not necessarily suggesting people on the left (laughs) create some sort of like puppet Supreme Court where they just do the left's bidding or anything like that. But we probably should be a lot more serious about the people that are in these positions of power and put a little pressure on them when the time has come. Even Mitt Romney was like, I'm not running for another term. I've considered my age. I'd be in my 80s by the time that my second term ended and I am not doing it. It's like if even Mitt Romney, the world's most robotic weirdo, knows when to go, then I think the rest of us can take a hint. That's why I've invested my life savings to manufacture 70,000 pairs of Mitt Romney socks. (laughs) Next up, we are finally, finally going to talk about ghosts. Spooky. And not just any ghosts, dead ghosts. Our show is called Text Me Back, so we want to invite you to our group text. We want to know what questions you have for Megan about our comically inept political system, or for me, about ghosts. To join the Text Me Back text club, text BFF to 206-926-9955. That's 206-926-9955. And you never know, we might have questions for you especially if you're a ghost expert. We really want your interests to help shape the show. So even if we can't text you back, we pinky promise to read all of your texts and consider them for the show. Hey, my name's Claire McGrain, and I'm a producer for Seattle Now, KUOW's local news podcast. There is a lot happening in our region, and it's a lot of work to keep track of it all. We'll get you caught up on the latest news and take a deep dive into something happening around the city, all in under 15 minutes. Get a morning walk-in or grab a cup of coffee and start your day with us. Learn something new and connect with our city by searching for Seattle Now wherever you get your podcasts. I got an email, Megan, that shook me to my core. So... I let my New York Times subscription lapse because I became broke. Are you sure you want to admit that? <laughs> on, um... <laughs> well, okay. In my defense, I only let the newspaper part lapse. I kept paying for games and cooking, but I still get the promo emails from the New York Times newspaper part, whatever that <laughs> yeah. is. And I got this email from the New York Times, the failing New yeah. York Times the gray lady, the paper of record. And the subject line of this email is archaeologists found the remains of a suspected child revenant. And then the little teaser says, in 17th century Europe, the dead were thought to rise again and bedevil the living. Now, researchers in Poland have found the remains of a suspected child revenant. Suspected. Suspected. They're they're still checking their sources. <laughs> Suspected. They still need to confirm. Suspected. By the way, I'm sure that this also ran on the DailyMail.co.uk. Well, yes, but it this did, is Megan. absolutely the sort of thing that is going to be like the top story on Daily Mail for like 30 days straight. The For fact sure. that you found out about it from the New York Times really makes it special. The New York Times <laughs> reporting with a straight face, you know, revenant means 
zombie cannibal vampire monster. You can't expect these serious Harvard graduates to use the phrase zombie vampire child <laughs> in a headline. They're but I would professionals. Ex- I would expect them to use the phrase body horrifically murdered for being a little different <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> you know, was actually happening in society. Meanwhile, over at the Daily Mail, it's like, child vampire has pins for days and (laughs) stunning new selfie. (laughs) But yeah, so it says the suspected child revenant, which it just implies that the New York Times is taking this at face value and investigating the veracity. Buried face down with a padlock by its foot, the 400-year-old corpse was likely locked to its grave. And then there's oh. a picture of a skeleton in the New York Times. So, yes, of course, I, will, I tried to click on the link. Remember that I, <laughs> that I no longer, I've used all my free articles uh, on God knows what. Nothing as important as this. So I, I did have to go. How often is the New York Times actually publishing news you, Lindy West, wants to read? Which is Literally, like, literally this never. This is a woman who used to have, I think used to have a vomit Google alert. No, Megan. No, Megan. No, Megan. I had a Google alert for feces. Oops, I'm so sorry. I am so sorry. Yeah. This is when I myself was a full-time journalist and I had two Google alerts, one for feces and one for mm-hmm. my own name. Was there ever a crossover? Only when mm-hmm. I made a blog post about my Google alert for feces. About feces. <laughs> <laughs> so the child zombie was buried so, face down, so padlocked to his grave. I, I was foiled by the New York Times. I was forced to run into the bosom of the Daily Mail, uh, who have written the following. Exclusive remains of a female quote vampire pinned to the ground with a sickle across her throat to prevent her returning from the dead are found in poland in addition to the sickle the skeleton was found with a padlocked toe as another precautionary measure what was what (laughs) what was the concern why did the corpse need to be padlocked to the ground because and why was it face down? I'm glad you asked. The child revenant was buried face down so that when it inevitably aw- awokened. <laughs> As a revenant is wont to do. Yeah. That's their main thing. And started munching. It would munch yeah. down into the earth rather than up oh, totally. to where the living are at. Absolutely foolproof plan. It like revenates and wakes up. Correct. And it's just like. Automatically chomping, but straight down into the core, the, the the magma ha! of the earth, gotcha. where Got it's up. If somehow it manages to flop over on its back and revenant up into the mm. land of the living, that's where the padlock toe comes. Sure, in. It's, it's like two factor authentication. It's like two factor. <laughs> <laughs> you just want to cover all your bases. <laughs> I got it. And the woman, was the woman a witch or a vampire? I'm so sorry. No, it's such a good question. And I was reading about it and I have since closed the tab. Well, let me, no need to reopen the tab. No, but. Just go on the vibes. The tab, okay, I can, I have a good memory. The tab was basically like, there were three kinds of revenants in 16th century Poland. A kind that is a witch. There's a kind that's a evil spirit that eats dead bodies or something. And then there's yes. a kind that is a monster that hungers for blood. So scientists don't know which scientists. kind the child revenant and the sickle woman 
were. But uh, my favorite part of the tab that I closed was the main archaeologist of the vampire grave acknowledges that these might have just been regular people. (laughs) Maybe. Oh, if life's work. (laughs) Anything like this, it's always this woman was wilding out. (laughs) Yeah, this woman made eye contact with a goat under a harvest moon. Exactly. Therefore, she needed to be padlocked to the ground. It's time to drown the wizard. (laughs) (laughs) Science. Here's the thing that it got me thinking about, though. Yeah. Do you have any understanding of how ancient peoples did anything? I was reading the story and I was like, they had padlocks in (laughs) i don't know how a padlock works now did they had metal then (laughs) (laughs) i watch a lot of shows about antiquity (laughs) i am always watching a show where like a dork dresses up like a blacksmith and is like here's how they made a dagger at the Tudor Monastery Farm. Yeah. Have you watched that castle show on Netflix? Unfortunately, there's only two seasons. But oh, the guy that hosted is Secrets like... Secrets of the Castle? Se- no. Oh. I think oh. this is called Britain's Best Castle. Oh, yes, I have and watched the, Britain's yeah, Best Castle. Yeah, and Castles. the guy that hosted it, he's not a normal historian. He's a cool historian. Yeah. He wears a lot of rings and a leather jacket. Belt. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I watch a lot of shows like that, and they're always like, okay... So what you do is you go into the tin mine and you take this bucket of dirt and then you heat it up and you stir it and then the tin nuggets come out and who figured out that there was tin in the dirt and then you hit the tin with the hammer. Wait, where'd you get the hammer? I guess it's just a rock. (laughs) Who made the hammer? (laughs) Can I say something? Yeah, please. When you texted me this story about this duo of revenants (laughs) i was like what a bunch of chuckleheads people from the past were so dumb all anybody had to do was have one blue eye and one green eye and you guys are like chucking them into a grave and padlock like what a bunch of idiots right (laughs) and then i was like megan extend some grace to these poor morons you know what i mean how can i a woman who has never met a science or math class I didn't fail immediately. <laughs> Someone who like barely graduated from high school and I'm casting aspersions on the good people of Poland who are padlocking weird kids to grave. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be real. If I was alive back then, I would be like, don't forget to padlock the toe. You guys remember to bury him upside down, right? And then you would notice the guy that made the padlock and you'd be like, that guy seems like a wizard. How do you make that padlock? Throw that guy in there. Get him in there too. Hmm. I I agree with you. I'm chuckling at these people. And then I'm like, I live in the country and we have to have mousetraps. And I'm constantly (laughs) like, the mouse's ghost is going to be mad at me. (laughs) (laughs) This is not really related. But I was reading, I can't stop reading Reddit. And I was on r slash spooky or something. And it was about all of the people who died on Mount Everest and Rainbow Valley, I think they call it. It's like all the people who died and they were not able to take them down. And as I was reading it, I was like, their ghosts are in my house. It was like, just reading about them summoned their ghosts. And I was like, I have to put my phone down, take my melatonin and go to sleep. This is insane. They have a Google alert for themselves. 
we gotta Let's fly. Let's go, green boots. <laughs> Somebody's reading our Wikipedia page. <laughs> we gotta go. So oh. I just want to apologize to the good medieval people of Poland because it was wrong of me to judge because I think there are Mount Everest ghosts in my bedroom right now. Also, the tab that I closed uh, was also like, man, it was really hard to live in 16th century Poland. It was not a good time. And everyone was really freaked out all the time. Yeah. Looking for some stability. And yeah, I get it. I've I've been there. That's why I padlocked the toe of Congress (laughs) as a policy advocate (laughs) in D.C. Speaking of revenants... Speaking of 16th century vampires. Well, Megan, guess what? Tell me. We did it. We made a podcast. Nailed it. And you know what else? Nobel Peace Prize is knocking. Mm -hmm. They're coming to knocking any day now. Steve Nobel, sending it through the mail. Cable Awards, People's Choice, Teen Choice, World's Greatest Grandpa, World's Greatest Kayak Dad. We're getting them all. We're getting them all. The trophy case is bulging. Peabody's. Heisman. Golden Globes. (laughs) So do you think we should do it again? Should we do another one? Well, there's an argument to be made for going out on top. However... one i think we should do another one i have some more stuff that i want to tell you about namely there is a bear that will not stop crapping in my yard and we're going to identify him on the next text me back (laughs) thank you so much for listening to text me back you can find me on Instagram at the Lindy West. And you can find me at important M-E-A-G-A-N. If you like the show, please tell your best friend about us and please rate and review us. It helps people find the show. Text Me Back is a production of KUOW in Seattle, a proud member of the NPR Network. Our editor is Jeannie Yandel. Our senior producer is Brandy Fullwood. Our mixer is Jason Burroughs. Our production team includes Juan Pablo Chiquitza, Michaela Giannotti Boyle, Amelia Peacock, Hans Twite, Brendan Sweeney, and Marshall Eisen. Our music is by Chief Ahamefale J. Oluo. And special thanks to our perfect angel, Isolde Raftery. I'm Lindy West. And I'm Megan Hatcher Mays. See you next week. <laughs>